You're listening to the Spartan Orientation Station on Impact 89 FM, Family and Supporter Friday edition. Now, this month's episode. Hello, welcome to the first special edition episode of the Spartan Orientation Station. Our Family and Supporter Friday episodes aim to answer real questions directly from incoming Spartan families. While each student attending MSU has a unique experience, whether they are a first-year student transitioning to college straight out of high school, a transfer student joining the Spartan family from another institution, a student traveling from out-of-state or internationally to attend MSU, or a combination of these, this information is applicable for all new students, families, and supporters. This first episode will cover a variety of topics, including FERPA, the Student Information System, billing, financial aid, and more. Without further ado, let's introduce today's guests. I will start. My name is Jared Stratz. I will be your MC and host today. I work for the Transitions and Transfer Student Success Unit, which houses new student orientation. Great. I'm Ashley Hewlett-Lemke. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm also with the Transitions and Transfer Student Success Unit, and I wear multiple hats, uh, one being with the Transfer Student Success Center as a program coordinator, and then I work in collaboration with my orientation colleagues for new student orientation programming. Well, I guess I'll round out the Transitions and Transfer <laughs> Student Success folks. Uh, my name is Maddie Seawick. I use she, her pronouns, um, and I'm also one of the program coordinators within new student orientation and super excited to finally be on the podcast instead yeah. of just producing. It's a very exciting day. <laughs> and to feel like maybe I'm not a part of the orientation <laughs> group, my name is Lauren Gearman. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the director for Spartan Family Connections. And Spartan Family Connections supports all of you, family and supporters. We work to support the families, both biological and chosen families of all of our Spartans. So welcome to today's podcast. Well, let's begin with our first question. So what is FERPA and what information does it protect? I know this is a question on a lot of people's minds Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, this is a great question. I think this is a great acronym to become familiar with. So F-E-R-P-A, affectionately referred to as FERPA. Um, It stands for the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. So this is a a set of legislation um, that I'm going to quote this from the website, uh, the government website. Um, FERPA is a federal law that protects the privacy of students' education records. The law applies to all schools that receive funds under an applicable program of the U.S. Department of Education. So Michigan State University, of course, receives federal funding. So FERPA laws would would apply to uh, this institution. What does that actually mean in practice? Like, well, FERPA actually gives parents, so I you know, I have a year and a half old twin toddlers at home, for instance. So anytime I take them to the doctor, I have to be, I'm kind of the uh, 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 caretaker for them. So I'm the person who is responsible for them because they are under the age of 18. And I have access to their, when they go to school, they'll have access to their records up until the age of 18. What happens is when a student turns 18, those rights uh, actually are transitioned to the student themselves. So when a student is 18 years old and they've left high school, those, uh, that access to student records, um, that is under the student's uh, responsibility to share that information with any, uh, anyone who would like to know that information, whether that's a, um, a biological family member, a chosen uh, family member, and the like. So I think it's really important to understand that 
FERPA, um, when, when your student reaches the age of 18, to have a conversation with them about, you know, does your student want you to be able to have access to their grades or other uh, student records once they come to Michigan State? And that's true for uh, whether they start as a first year student, first time in college, or if they're a transfer student coming from another institution. Um, so I think that that might be a little bit of a surprise for, for a lot of supporters when they learn that, oh, you know, I can't, I don't actually have access to check my students' grades like I did when they were under the age of 18. So I think those are important conversations to start having. Um, and I think on a related note, I think it's really important to also uh, talk to your student about having accurate, up-to-date emergency contact information on file. Um, because it's it's actually something that the institution has started requiring over the last couple of years. And it's really important to make sure that that information is on file in the event that um, an emergency contact does need to be reached out to for, for one reason or another. Um, maybe something to think about in practice of like if I'm a student and um, I'm over the age of 18, if I twist my ankle and I end up over at the Sparrow Hospital facility, Legally, nobody at Michigan State can actually be telling anybody um, that, hey, your student is uh, over at Sparrow because they twisted their ankle. Um, there's actually not going to be somebody from the institution kind of contacting um, the uh, emergency contact on file. It would be kind of the, res the student's responsibility to, to reach out to the appropriate person. Um, nonetheless, it is still very important to have that information on file with the institution. So hopefully that kind of gives an example of how FERPA is kind of in practice as a student turns 18 and those uh, kind of rights and access to grades and such. Um, one way to think of it also is uh, if you're familiar with HIPAA, so much like if I were to call a hospital and try and get medical records for somebody who I don't have permission to have access to their medical records, the hospital is not legally allowed to give that information to me. So it's kind of like the higher ed version of HIPAA is one way to think of it. Thanks. Any other thoughts about that? Absolutely. So thank you for yeah. those definitions, Ashley. I think it's really helpful for incoming families. Um, and just as a side note, um, I do, I am a parent. My mm -hmm. student actually graduated from MSU in May. Um, so I have recent experience on both sides of this topic. Um, so a couple of clarifications with FERPA. It is um, specific to institutions of higher education, meaning if your student is not 18 but is still enrolled in an institution of higher education, FERP still applies. So if your student is 16 and they're coming here to MSU, FERP still applies and you can't get that information if your student doesn't want you to have it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, an interesting clarification, especially for students who are under 18 that come here. And we do have a lot of new students that come that mm -hmm. aren't quite 18 mm -hmm. yet. So uh, good information to have. And then um, another clarification um, or maybe a um, additional piece of information that when you talked about having the emergency contact information updated, mm -hmm. super, super important. Mm -hmm. um, a good trick that I always recommend is make sure that your student has your roommate's information, like their family information, and make sure your student's roommate has your mm -hmm. information. So let's say your student is, God forbid, incapacitated um, and we need to help them. Your student's roommate can then call you and say, hey, there's something going on. There's mm -hmm. you know something with your student. MSU is going to take care of your student's health and needs first. Mm -hmm. 
in the case that there is something seriously wrong with your student, MSU will reach out to you and let you know, hey, there's something going on with your student. But if your student is not incapacitated and once they have, you know, received care, um, they are responsible for reaching out. But MSU will contact families Mm -hmm. if it is an emergent uh, situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Emergency contact. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification, Lauren. Absolutely. So I know the big question now that we've talked about FERPA and what's protected is sort of how can a student allow their family members or supporters to have access to that account? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, students can access or grant guest access um, through their student information system or SIS. That's what we lovingly refer to it here. <laughs> um, so they can log into their SIS account at student.msu.edu. Um, and grant access to whomever they would like to have access. Um, And what's interesting is it's piecemealed. And so if they want you as a family member to see the bill and be able to pay the bill, they can give you that, but they don't have to give you access to their grades. Um, So as Ashley mentioned, having the conversation with them about what you expect and what um, what they want you to have, that is sometimes a mismatch. And so having that conversation and open communication is really important. Um, so they just go into um, their student information system or SIS, and they go to their My Profile and then share my info electronically. Um, it's a several-part process. If you need help with how that works, you can go to sis.msu.edu forward slash help. And that has a lot of help guides and um, step-by-step instructions with screenshots. Again, it's sis.msu.edu forward slash help. So there's a couple of ways for students to share their information. One is sharing it electronically, um, and that's where... You know, you can, they can grant you access to see end of semester grades. There is no way for someone other than the student to see in semester grades. Uh, it's a question we often get. Um, so you're only going to be able to see the grades after they've been submitted at the end of the semester. Um, but if you should want to call, say, the billing office or financial aid, there is also share my information by phone. Um, and that is where your student will answer two security questions, and then they give you the answer that they typed in, and you have to know the answer to their security questions in order for someone from MSU to be able to talk you through whatever their situation is. Um, So again, it's really important from a billing or a financial aid standpoint. Um, If you want to call and talk to somebody, you just have to have that information. So it's, it's just something that we do to protect the students' rights. I know oftentimes we get the question of, I'm paying the bill. I'm paying for tuition. Uh, Does my student still need to grant access in those scenarios? Absolutely. It doesn't matter who's paying the bill. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get that information unless Mm -hmm. the student says that you can get that information. Absolutely. So I think you mentioned this earlier a little bit, Lauren, but in terms of students granting access to only a part of their information, whether that be grades or billing or maybe their class progress, um, how does that process sort of work for a student if they're going in to like make that decision? Yeah. So what they'll do is they will type in the email address of the person that they would like to have access. I think they also need to include the first and last name and what the relationship is. 
Um, and then the email address of that person. That person then receives a link that says, you know, you have been granted access and click here to accept. And then there's a series of steps that the guest will have to do in order to actually receive that guest account. Um, the guest will set up their own account in SIS. So then you will also go to student.msu.edu, type in your login and your password, and get that two-factor authentication, uh, which we are also familiar with. <laughs> um, so they'll, they'll get that, and then um, they'll be able to see whatever it is their student has selected for them to see. So there are a number of tiles that are... Um, titled different things, and you will only see the tiles that the student has granted you access to see. That's a perfect segue into the next question. Yes, once once a family or supporter has access, what do they see? Uh, what websites uh, do they get to use to find the information? Uh, how can they see their bill for the, the semester if the student grants them access to that tile, as you were saying? Um, when are bills released? Uh, how does someone pay for the student when it, eventually when the billing conversation comes to fruition? That is a, a great question. <laughs> a little, also, a, a many, many very, yes, it, yes. Well, the, the whole topic of how do I pay the bill? Yeah. Um, that of course that is the number one thing on families' minds because it is such a large part of the educational experience. Yeah. Um, so we get it. Um, the first bill, this is a question that we are all receiving in our various chairs, um, the first bill for fall semester will be available on August 5th. Um, so that's August 5th of 2023 will be the first uh, um, fall semester bill. And the first payment will be due on August 25th. Um, so you won't be able to see anything yet. So if your student grants you access mm -hmm. to their financial information and the bill, if you go to look, there's nothing there to see. Um, and so if you go into the system and you're looking and you don't see anything, don't panic. Um, there's nothing there to see yet. Um, so for all things student billing, the best place to go is the MSU controller's website. Um, and that is www.ctlr.msu.edu. Again, that's ctlr.msu.edu, and that is the website for the Office of the Controller, um, and they are the ones that handle student accounts. You'll be able to see um, how to make a payment. You'll be able to see how to do a payment plan if you don't plan to make that payment in full. Um, you'll be able to see the dates of when bills are available, when they're due, when those payments are due. Um, they also have tuition calculators and, and things like that. So it's a great resource, and mm -hmm. I really recommend that families go there and, and look at all of the information available. Absolutely. So sort of on that topic of paying for bills, I know many students utilize the financial aid process as sort of a way to pay for their tuition, their housing, all of those things. Side note, we do have an episode on financial aid that will be released on July 4th with David Norday. Um, but how does that process sort of work in the student information system? Can people see what financial aid they've been given, whether that be scholarships, grants, loans, or is that sort of a separate website or process? That is a separate website, uh, or, or not a separate website, but a separate process within SIS. Um, and so when your student or you go into SIS, when you go into student.msu.edu, 
um, there's a financial aid tab. And when you click on that tile, it actually takes you out of the system and takes you over to the financial aid system. And that is because of the security. And there's just different levels of security for financial aid, uh, which we certainly can all understand. Um, And so make sure when your student is granting you guest access, there is actually an additional step to grant access for financial aid. Mm -hmm. Um, So just know that that is an additional step. Um, And yeah, financial, then you go into financial aid and um, there's a great new website, Office of Financial Aid just recently uh, released their new website and it is very user-friendly. Um, and that's fineaid.msu.edu or F-I-N-A-I-D.msu.edu. goes through all of the steps. It goes through not only the access step, but all of the steps that the student needs to do in order to accept aid, you know, to review aid and to accept it. Um, and then if there's anything additional that the family needs to do. Um, so, yeah, that that's the process. It's not mm-hmm. difficult it is scary uh, from a from a family standpoint. <laughs> right, I will say, you know, whenever you're accepting loans of the magnitude that some of us are, uh, it is not an easy thing to do. Sure, and it is really scary. If you do want someone to walk you through it, they are fantastic. They have a whole team of folks um, in a call center, and mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They'll spend as much time with you as you need in order to feel comfortable. Um, Your student can also go into the financial aid office in the student services building, um, but David will walk through all of that in that (laughs) podcast. So before you call or before you jump to anything, wait until that July 4th podcast comes out, listen to David, and then go from there. Absolutely. Well, let's shift a little bit away from financial aid and billing. I know we've spent a lot of time answering some of those uh, commonly asked questions. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit to some of some academic questions. So um, can a family and supporter see information about their course requirements, uh, credits that are transferring in, progress on the student's degree, grades? I know we hit on that just a little bit, but I'm just curious if anyone can speak to um, answering maybe some of those questions. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the talking here, but I promise <laughs> I promise my time's about done. Um, yes. So as long as you have been granted access, again, um, you'll be able to go in and see all of these different things. Um, one of the really cool things about logging in to student.msu.edu is the dashboard. Um, and if your student has granted you access to see academic progress, the very first thing that's on your dashboard is like a graph and it shows percentages and and how close your student is, how close your student is to actually um, finishing and Mm. participating commencements, which is the goal of all of us is to get your student there. Um, So you can see what progress they have made. And when you click on that, it shows all of the courses that are required. It shows the the major courses that are required. It shows how many gen ed credits are needed. So you can watch your students' progress and and see if they're on track to be Mm -hmm. done in four years or three years or five years. Um, So that's a, a great way to do it. Uh, grades can also end of semester. Grades can also be seen um, in student.msu.edu um, and any transfer credits um, or AP credits or anything like that can also be found in student.msu.edu. 
There's several different tiles. I really recommend that once you get access, you go in and play with it. You cannot hurt the system. Um, so there's nothing that you can you can click on that's going to you know screw things up for you or your student. Um, and if you feel like there's something amiss, you can always contact the IT service desk, tech.msu.edu. They are fantastic, and they will help fix things if you feel like it is, needs to be fixed. Absolutely. I guess continuing sort of on that academic pathway, I know um, in the new student orientation office and within our team, we've been getting a lot of questions about sort of the checkpoint process that's been happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of our students, most of our students have finished their D2L that was due um, June 14th Mm -hmm. um, and are now progressing into checkpoint three, which is academic advising, enrolling in all those fall classes, which in my opinion is one of the most exciting things about becoming a new student. When will students be contacted by their advisors? I know that's been a big question we've been getting Mm -hmm. on the phones and on the emails, just people are really excited to mm-hmm. sort of have that first meeting. So can, mm-hmm. can either of you talk a little bit about when that process will begin? Absolutely. Um, some families and supporters who might be already listening have already heard of their uh, student already gain, yeah. gaining access to yes. their advisor and um, connecting and having conversations about the fall class schedule. As Maddie, as, as you said, it's, it is very much an exciting time. Yeah. I think this is <laughs> the – you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, right. I think that that's uh, – really a great tip to kind of think about right away is that uh, you have so many different things, different uh, different opportunities ahead of you. And uh, I know sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming when you think about, oh, do I need to have my four-year academic plan set up <laughs> and everything set to go? And um, I don't know if I'll have an opportunity to change that at all. Um, but just know that this is definitely a time, especially during Checkpoint 3, um, within the new student orientation experience that uh, students can definitely get connected with their advisor and just have those general conversations, advising conversations, so that they feel prepped and prepared and ready to enroll in classes when they're able. Uh, as I've said, students have been um, started to be connected with uh, their academic advisors slash colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, each I- individual college within MSU it has a unique process in the way and the timing at which they reach out to students. So our big recommendation in our office is to be patient. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a big piece right now because <laughs> sure. uh, uh, college and, colleges and advisors are reaching out to students who have successfully completed the NSO D2 L experience and received the official confirmation email of that completion. Um, and for those that um, maybe have uh, further questions about when, I know that's always, that's the big question right now is when is that happening? Um, as I said, some have already been connected with an advisor. And for those that have not, just be patient. Um, it will definitely come. But I will tell you a big tip is that sometimes colleges slash advisors may be they will be reaching out via your MSU email, mm-hmm. and sometimes that email goes to the junk inbox. Uh, we've we've ah. um, kind of heard a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, uh, as a student listening or a family and supporter, um, encourage that your student uh, looks at their junk email just to make sure that um, they haven't missed an email from an advisor or a college. Because uh, essentially, once they receive that email, then all they have to do is uh, that's their mechanism to set up an appointment. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to, once they attend the appointment and connect with that advisor slash college, then they'll officially be able to um, enroll in classes after that meeting. Yeah, yeah. there's... 
literally thousands of students who are going through this process yes. right now. So it's really important to just just be patient and recognize that, especially if your student is one of the, in one of the larger colleges, that they are talking to a lot of students mm-hmm. right now. Absolutely, so just patience is is key. Everybody's going to get taken care of, so no worries there. And and one of the things that things that Jared said was to check the junk mail yeah. or the spam folder mm-hmm. of the email. Um, I will reinforce that they're checking their email. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> their MSU email. Their MSU email. Um, they need to get in the habit of yeah. checking that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, they That is how the institution communicates with your student. And lots of departments are going to be communicating with them and giving them instructions. Mm-hmm. They don't want to miss a deadline. Um, so make sure that your student is checking their email, their MSU email every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's such a hard habit to get into sometimes, like going from maybe a high school or a personal like Gmail account to this like Outlook MSU email Mm -hmm. system. But download the app on your phone. Just check it once a day or twice a day, even if you're feeling like really ambitious. But Mm -hmm. that's the best way to get that advising appointment Mm -hmm. scheduled. Mm -hmm. I I have another question for Jared. Um, And it's kind of around how many credits, right? Like I've heard so many families ask about um, what is block tuition and how many credits should my student take? Can you talk to that uh, topic? Sure. So um, I'm, I won't, I'm not an advisor, so I will definitely <laughs> state that. And uh, there was an fact. advising podcast. Yes. There right. was. Yes. So, yes. Yes. Check that out. <laughs> so definitely check out the advising podcast. Um, I think that part of the um, mechanism of academic advising is to ask a lot of questions and to figure out what works for you as the individual student. Um, And every student is unique. Every student is different in what they feel that they can handle. Um, Knowing that the transition from high school to college, uh, the academia changes, you know, it's a little bit um, more complex or Mm -hmm. different in style than maybe some high school students or maybe even transfer students Mm -hmm. who are coming from another institution. Um, I think some some just general tips and tricks um, from Jared, personal Jared, (laughs) is um, I think figure out what that is, what what that means to you, Uh, what that is to you in regards to, okay, I'm thinking about fall semester. I'm thinking about uh, how many credits, when the classes are offered, um, can I handle a couple classes in a day in what you're considering a block schedule? Um, do I want morning classes? Do I, do I want afternoon, all afternoon classes? And it's not an exact science, uh, but being able to kind of think about your course load, but then also your activity load. What yes. else are you mm-hmm. doing in college once you transition to MSU? And there is a lot. If you have not connected with a variety of the other podcasts, there are a lot of resources and activities that uh, students are encouraged mm-hmm. to join into. So uh, I think there's the, finding the balance. And I, I know I look around and, I mean, the table and just everyone kind of has their own. What's their limit? What's what's the experience that they want to have and is it packing your schedule full and having the max amount of credits per semester? Maybe getting done early is an ambition that uh, you or the student or the family and supporter have for the student. Um, but have that conversation with your student and figure out what the comfort zones are as as they prepare for the fall semester. And I think that that's a powerful piece as uh, advising and enrollment with Checkpoint 3, like we talked about, that's happening over the summer 
is that they can have a connection with an expert from that college and be able to kind of talk through uh, their study habits, their their experiences in high school or from another institution, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to kind of come to the answer. Uh, they don't have to have the answer, but come to it uh, through the dialogue that they have. Mm-hmm. So. I love it. Um, and just for families that are wondering, um, on average, and again, this depends on what, what oh, the major sure. <laughs> is and you know that kind of thing, but um, if your student on average completes 15 credits per semester on average, they'll be done in four years. Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of strive for that average, um, you're in a good, pretty good place to be done in four years, yep. which, you know, if you can do that or less, um, it's going to save you a bunch of money, mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. you know, but not everybody's like that. Some people need to take less than that and take a little bit longer in school. And that's OK, too. Yep. Um, I know that was the plan I was on. Mm-hmm. And I see Ashley raising her hand. So <laughs> everybody's different, like Jared yeah, said, and finding that sweet spot. And I think something else to just keep in mind is that, you know, coming fresh out of high school, you might be in the, oh, you know, uh, the school year is only from the end of August to the middle of May or uh, June. So what about the summer? It's like, well, Michigan State offers summer classes. You know, when I was, um, I I transferred to Michigan State from Washtenaw Community College. Um, I came in as a junior status in less than a year and a half, time chronologically speaking, because I took summer classes. I had a, a full summer load. So I think that's something else to think about as well is, you know, if I'm like, it's my first semester at Michigan State, I want to maybe have a little bit of a lighter credit load. Mm -hmm. um, And maybe I can redistribute some of those credits into the summertime and and take one or two classes next summer. So those are some other things to keep in mind as well. The idea of credits might be a completely new thing for (laughs) for students, families, (laughs) and supporters too, especially um, for new Spartans fresh out of high school that um, are used to like a 750 to 235, that was my high school schedule, but 750 <laughs> to, to 235, um, that you were just back to back to back to back classes. But then, I mean, once you transition to um, college, uh, then we have we start having conversations about credits and mm-hmm. credit loads mm-hmm. because some classes that you might be through the conversation with your advisor, um, you may have for many classes, there are three credits. There, so when Lauren was talking about kind of averaging around 15 credits per semester to get done in the in the four-year time frame, um, that, that's how you start to kind of add up the mm-hmm. number of classes that you're taking to get to a threshold of 15 on average. So if you take a class that's three credits, that's an average class. But then there are also courses, depending on your major, if you're, let's say, taking, um, taking a class that requires a lab component to it, that class might then now be four credits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the three credit class and then the lab experience that's ta- um, tacked on. So um, just things to be aware mm-hmm. of, especially as you're going through uh, advising and enrollment, uh, just part of the conversation. Absolutely. Great. Great. I'm going to shift gears just a little Mm -hmm. bit because there's another question that Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot and hearing a lot from families and supporters, and I want to make sure to touch on it. And it's about computers. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a a time of year that there are a lot of sales on laptops, (laughs) graduation sales and such. Um, And a lot of folks want to know, what computer do I get? Does my kid have to have a computer? Mm -hmm. Um, So can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, and it's it's funny because I'm thinking, you know, I'm not I don't want to date myself, but you know, like close <laughs> to two decades ago, like having a personal laptop, that was optional when coming to Michigan State. But it's 
2023 now and really over the last few years now, actually all undergraduate students are required to have a, a laptop. Now the question is like, well, what, you know, what type of laptop? That really is going to depend on your personal preference. Um, and moreover, it's really important to make sure that as you are uh, meeting with your academic advisors, ask if there's a specific type of laptop or set of mm -hmm. software that Definitely. you will need for your major. Um, for instance, there is there is a particular college that has uh, very specific requirements. I believe it's communication arts and sciences. Um, so shout out to ComArt students. If uh, make sure that you ask that question of what should I make sure that I have uh, for my my device requirements. And I think when we're talking about devices, we want to make sure that we're talking about a laptop or a uh, desktop computer. If, you know, uh, one of those options. Michigan State says, you know, hey, like if you want to have your smartphones and tablets and all those fun things, it's a great idea to take those to class and utilize them maybe to take notes. But in terms of using them on a day-to-day -day basis for your actual assignments and um, checking emails and things of that nature, it's really important to have a, a fully functioning device, if you will. So i.e. A, a laptop or, or things of the like. Um, so maybe on that note, I think it's also important to, to point out that the Michigan State has uh, those computer requirements um, listed out, and it's tech.msu.edu. And then usually if you can, you can search computer requirements from there, and it'll give you a, a very comprehensive list of the operating system, kind of minimum operating system, uh, access to Wi-Fi, things like that. Um, I think an important question, so Lauren, I appreciate that you bring up that, yeah, this is a great time of year to probably purchase a laptop. And there's certainly uh, sales available. Um, I do want to point out that students who receive financial aid, their laptop is actually an option that they can include in their financial aid package. So that's certainly something that um, I definitely recommend reaching out to the Office of Financial Aid for more information about having a, a laptop actually covered as part of the, the financial aid package. Um, that, that website that I also mentioned, there are kind of uh, some laptop loaner programs in the event that, let's say, you know, midway through the semester, battery completely dies on my laptop and I've got to take it to the shop for a couple of weeks. Well, there are laptop loaner programs. It's definitely something to talk about with your academic advisor. Something else to keep in mind is that there, even though um, I, I kind of chuckle, uh, again, kind of when I graduated and now being a professional staff member for, uh, you know, close to uh, or I was a student, you know, close to two decades ago. <laughs> but um, uh, there are still computer labs on campus. Mm -hmm. And many of, um, they're, they're not quite the size and scope as they used to be back in my day, so, as they say. <laughs> um, but certainly there are um, computer labs that have, that are scattered across campus, um, both in the residential hall um, facilities as well as academic spaces. The engineering building kind of kind of um, comes to mind. And those are you know, desktop stations that are set up that students can go and utilize um, in the event that they have something happens to their laptop and uh, they need they need other uh, sources to be able to do what they need to do. Um, I do also I did want to point out that there is a tech store. The MSU tech store is what it's called. It's located in the central part of campus and they do have online ordering. Um, I'm not a paid spokesperson, so I do want to say that. <laughs> but, but I do at least want to point out that um, there are a variety of laptops that are available, uh, different types of computer hardware and software that are available and it's all the discounted pricing it's all the uh, educational rates for uh, michigan state students and it's also true for for faculty and staff as well 
And something, you know, we've been talking a lot about hardware. I think it's also really important for us to talk about software. So any of our incoming students, if you have a NetID, guess what? You can have free access to the Microsoft Office Pro Plus Suite. Um, so what is that? That's commonly known as the applications I think we all know, love, maybe don't love sometimes. <laughs> but uh, so things like Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, and One OneNote. Um, you know, Maddie, you mentioned earlier, uh, downloading the Outlook app on your phone. Yes. Well, guess what? You have access to that software absolutely for free. Um, and it's not just one download. Uh, what's really interesting for students is that you can actually download it on up to five computers, five tablets, and five smartphones. I know personally, I don't have that number of devices, but in the event that you do, you do have um, the the possibility of being able to download that that uh, suite of applications on multiple uh, technology devices um, under under your accounts. And I would direct everybody to go to the uh, Spartan365.msu.edu uh, website, and you'll use your MSU NetID and password. You'll log in, and you'll be able to download the software through through that platform. Um, just one other quick note. It's really important. Want to just make sure to to drive home. Make sure that you have a laptop or a desktop computer for all of your academic things. Um, as much as you know, having a tablet or having uh, utilizing your phone um, to take notes in class, which I don't even really recommend. That it's tiny screen, so on and so forth. Um, really, really want to make sure that you have a fully functioning uh, device at your at your disposal during during the academic year. And related to that, um, just make sure that you're having a conversation with your academic advisor in the event that you do have specific requirements for your particular major or uh, your particular college. So great questions. Um, certainly something that uh, you want to start uh, preparing for sooner than later. Always helpful to have something uh, earlier and then you can kind of learn how to uh, get everything set up and ready to go for the first day of classes on August 28th. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening to this Family and Supporter Friday episode on the Spartan Orientation Station. For more specific information on topics such as health and well-being, campus safety, academic accommodations, advising, and more, please check out our previously released episodes of the Spartan Orientation Station. Thank you to our guests. Appreciate you all uh, for your the, the many questions and dialogue. Please tune in to our next Family and Supporter Friday, which will be released officially on Friday, July 14th. Go green. Go white. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spartan Orientation Station on Impact 89FM. Let us know what you think by connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at MSU underscore NSO.